Podcast. I'm Mark Sevy, and with my co-hosts Chris, who's talking to me, Styers, and Bruce Bobchika Wawa Kazra, we talk writing, film, and our top TV and movie choices of 2018. We also answer all your burning script writing and film business questions. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, This is Plot Points Podcast. With Plot Points Podcast. We are recording this on December 30th, 2018, on the eve of the new year. Uh, it won't drop until Friday. I only have uh, my good friend Chris Styers with me today. We we have we had planned to have, have other uh, co-hosts, but for one reason or the other, they're either going to be late or, or may not be able to do it. It's a very difficult time of year to get anybody to commit to anything because of um, all the stuff that's going on. Plus, uh, Chris and I talked about this is a time of year where you don't know what day it is and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, even if you do know what day it is. So, um, Chris, how, how are you, man? I'm doing fine. Had a good holiday. And how was your holiday? Oh, man, it was it's a marathon for for my family because um, my brother uh, and my niece come in from out of town. So. They once they come in, that kind of starts everything, and and usually it's a couple of days before Christmas, and then Christmas Eve because I'm Italian, we have uh, that the dinner called the Feast of the Seven Fishes, so that's mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Um, then on Christmas Day we have a morning brunch and open presents, and Christmas night I go to my other sister's house and we have Christmas dinner, and then I go to my brother-in-law's family's Christmas. They have like uh, 40 people at their at their place and then the day after christmas my brother was born on december 27th so we end up uh usually doing a dinner for him on the 26th because he then he goes back usually on his birthday so it's quite a marathon of uh, food and um parties uh-huh. yeah it was great to tell you the truth Good. Good. yeah this year i was uh i, I determined not to be an asshole, which is hard for me. You know that, right? Um, <laughs> Have your moments. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I, I think after fifteen or twenty years, you probably have have, have been um, uh, have seen a few of them. Yes. But yeah. um, anyway, it was great. And but uh, I Good. I tried really hard not to be my normal jerk off self and uh, tried to be a nice guy. <laughs> so it went well and. Uh, 
I actually got a lot of work done. Um, and I, I picked up a, a rewriting assignment, which or script, they call it script doctoring, but, um, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, okay. um, so what have you been, what have you been watching lately? That's, uh, anything of interest? Well, I did catch, uh, Sandra Bullock's new movie, The Bird Box. Okay. I got, uh, apparently 43 million people watched that movie. Yeah. And um, how, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I know the premise of it. I guess you, you, you can't look at this, uh, force or something or else it, it makes you either commit suicide or makes you crazy or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the interesting aspects is all the characters are regular people. Mm-hmm. So we don't get into any of the government or military stuff. So we, as the viewer, just like the characters, have no clue what caused this. Wow. So I thought that was intriguing. Now, do they uh, do they reveal what what's behind uh, it at the end? No. Oh. They do not. Because so you never see. Don't know. You never see the. You never really see the quote unquote monster, right? Right. Right. Uh, interesting. And yeah, uh, if you see it, uh, you go crazy. Well, let me ask you this. So yeah. you've been you've been dabbling in uh, horror and sci-fi uh-huh. and fantasy for for many years as a as a novelist, yeah. and then with me, uh, as, you know, our screenwriting stuff, either independently or collaboratively, uh, tends towards the bizarre and the odd. Uh, yeah. That's what we both like. How do you feel about not revealing the monster? Um, you don't see it very often. Mm-hmm. If, and I can't recall anything off the top of my head where they didn't tell you what was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes those scenes are the most boring of the movie. Anticlimactic, you know? right? Yeah. Yeah. And this one, I just, I just like the idea that Stuff was happening, but we didn't know whether it was, you know, some other government had tested something and it had gone wrong, if it was aliens or what. So I I kind of enjoyed that part of it. Mm. Yeah, I, This one time. <laughs> <laughs> this one, exactly. <laughs> A one-off, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Here's my issue with it, and it, I don't, I haven't seen Bird Box, so I don't, I, I'm not judging that movie. I'm just saying in general, I think it's hard to come up with a, um, you and I both know how hard it is to come up with a good villain. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And kids, uh, pro tip, your villain is what drives your story, period. Nothing, nothing else really matters, whether that's an internalized or an externalized villain. So, it, doesn't it feel to you like it's a little bit of a cheat not to make not to make that connection, not to come come out and say, because, you know, in the 50s, it was all radiation and then it became yeah. viruses and then it became genetic mutations and then it became, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, how do you feel about that? I feel like it's a cheat. I feel like the writers uh, are not doing their complete job by not giving you a, a full scope of the villain. Well. For the most part, I agree with you 99% of the time. I just thought for this one movie, it was an intriguing way to go. Mm. Yeah, I'd have for to this see one it. Movie. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's, uh, yeah. and handled properly. Um, well, good, good morning, Mr. Kasra. Did you finally wake up? 
My bad for I, I slightly overslept. Yeah. Days. What did I say, Chris? He's sleeping, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you got to hold on because Chris and I, Chris and I need to finish our conversation. Anyway, uh, Bruce Kazra has joined us. He had some technical problems and, uh, we're, uh, we're just going to main or uh, slipstream him into the conversation. But Chris, let's finish our conversation. Bruce, we were talking about, uh, Bird Box and oh, not fantastic. seeing the, I haven't seen it yet, but Chris saw it. And he thought he, he thought it was really good, but he, you don't see the villain. Oh. You don't find out where the villain's coming from. And so I was, con- I felt like that's kind of a cheat. Chris was saying, well, it's a one-off. It's an interesting way to go because you don't really find out where the villain comes from, which is this force that drives you crazy, I guess. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of what we were talking about. But do you have any opinions on that? Do you think you have to see the villain? That you have to understand where that villain came from? Um, that's an interesting, interesting point, actually. No, I don't think you do. I mean, uh, I think one of the most interesting things about uh, some horror movies is you can actually create fear just by uh, uh, insinuating what the bad guy is. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to actually see the bad guy. I think that's the the biggest thing. I think this movie. I didn't see Bird Box. I've read reviews about it, and there's uh, memes about it all over social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think what uh, the interesting idea about it is is it's basically focusing on a different sense from The Quiet Place. The Quiet Place was all about sound. Right. Uh, this movie is all about sight and how. Uh, by not seeing something, it can scare you even more. I will add that The Bird Box was based on a novel that was Mm. written before A Quiet Place came out. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, before before either of those was a movie that I thought was absolutely fabulous called Pitch Pitch Black with... um, God, the actor, the actor, the, uh, the actor who's in Fast and Furious and. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Space um, movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of had, that kind of had both, um, both the uh, sight and sound component to it. Because yeah. there, what I liked about Pitch Black so much was the rules were very firmly established and it made sense. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I mean, it's not new. I mean, we've seen, what about wait until dark, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. That was, especially in the theaters, that was really spooky. Right. Vin Diesel was the guy I was thinking of, but um, there you go. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, that was, you know, a young woman comes home and there's, and, and, uh, there's a a robbers come in or something. Anyway, she's blind, right? Yeah. She, she's, yeah. And it, doesn't it all take place in that apartment? The majority of the movie, yes. Yeah, that was, that's pretty amazing to me. So, yeah. yeah. Based on the play. Right. Well, my, my point about this is not that you can't, um, create suspense and fear and a whole bunch of cool things by not showing the monster because, you know, when I, when, before I went to work and did some sci fi channel, uh, films for them, you, you, you never showed the monster until the very end. You always shook, you know, right. shook the bushes and, and, uh, made the weird sounds and there's the thump, yeah. you know, it's coming, the, the phone calls coming from inside the house, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> but then sci-fi channel came along and said, you have to show the monster within the first, you know, couple minutes of the movie. And they completely yeah. flipped that paradigm. My, my point is you you, there's a certain promise, I think, with the audience that we're going to see a movie about a creature or a force of nature or something. And we need some explanation as to where that came from at the end of the movie. Not, not during, I mean, you know, 
so I, I don't know. I'd have to see the film to, to make, make a judgment, but I feel like it's, um, I don't like it. I don't, I, I like, I okay. think the writer is not doing his or her job correctly if they're not explaining where that thing comes from. It's easy to promise everything. See, I, I see this in my students' work. They promise everything. And then it comes to the end of the script and it's like, oh, really? That's your ending? That's what it was? Yeah. yeah so. Well, not only your students' scripts, we see that in movies and yeah. TV shows too. Yeah. And you're kind of like, really? That's yeah. the explanation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always been of the opinion that it's easier to promise than deliver. And, uh, yes. and, and so, and, and you, you know that, Chris. I mean, endings are yeah. the toughest thing I think any of us oh. write is they're Absolutely. so hard. Yeah. So. yeah. Do you, do you think, uh, I guess a question for both of you guys, do you think that not showing the monster is inherently always more scary? You, no, not, not necessarily. I think, uh, oh. Alien, uh, was frightening even because they, you know, and they show the monster in a couple different. I love that movie because there's three different monsters. Yeah. Isn't? Sure. yeah. So, you know, the one on his, the one on his face, I think is the most, the scariest one because mm-hmm. I have this fear of being intubated, you know, with that, them putting yeah. that tube down my throat. It's like, oh, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. I'm just but, thinking the one I'm thinking of, um, that scared me the most, I think, was a cultural phenomenon was Jaws. I think would be a big one. Obviously, they did show Jaws multiple times, but I think I remember I saw an interview with Steven Spielberg where he said that um, the creature was like the actual like robot shark was so hard to operate that they tried to use it as little as possible. So it was just the um, the fin itself was what they used to scare people as right. opposed to anything else. And the music, that was like the biggest thing to, to create fear, I guess. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and and Spielberg's a master at that, but that's filmmaking. I mean, you don't show mm-hmm. in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you don't show the big spaceship until the very end. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in the meantime, we're all, we're all scared, you know. So, and of course, Jaws changed the world as we know it. Um, so obviously they did some things right. Um, and, but here's the other thing with Jaws is I think we all know, knew what a shark looked like. And I yeah. think we didn't have to use that much of our imagination to imagine what it would be like to be eaten by a shark. So it's different, I think, if you're creating a monster that nobody's seen before. All right. Well, we were talking about we started that conversation by asking uh, what have what have we seen that's been interesting. So have you seen anything lately, Bruce, uh, that you that that that's been interesting? Yeah, actually, um, I think yesterday, actually, I saw. Uh, Netflix's new episode of uh, Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. An interactive episode. It was called Bandersnatch. I thought it was very fascinating. It was, uh, it's an interactive episode that uh, Netflix released. So it'd be kind of like a choose your own um, adventure kind of story. Mm-hmm. That's essentially how the episode works. And, uh, you get to pick options for the character and uh, you have, there's so many different outcomes in the episode. And if you if you become really curious, you can go back and try all the options and see how everything pans out for the uh, for the main character. It was very interesting. Now, how do you interact with it? Do you have to go to your computer or a so, social? Yeah, so you just go on Netflix, uh, and then it just kind of says like a little explanation at the beginning, and it tells you um, just click with your mouse, and essentially every time the uh, it's just like a regular episode, and every time the character is faced with a choice, in some case, the bottom bottom of the screen sort of raises and it gives you two options and you have mm. 10 seconds to decide mm. which option you want to select. And so do they serve up different 
is it based on aggregate? In other words, do they say uh, 57% of the people voted for this branch or is it individualized to your, uh, your particular Roku? No, I think it's, I think it's individualized. I, I think they really want to make it seem seamless and it's, that it's not really, uh, something that's odd. They, I think they wanted to make it feel like it's very normal. So mm-hmm. I think they, they just give you the option. I think the, the first choice you make is, uh, you, you're literally choosing between which cereal you want to eat uh, oh. or which, or, and then he goes to a record store, record store. You want, you have to choose which record he wants to buy. Like those are like the basic ones. And then it becomes a little bit more complicated as the episode yeah, goes on. No, that makes sense. Ah, that's interesting. Uh, Chris so and I, Bruce, talk- I can't, I can't manipulate it. So at some point during the story, my, the character I'm leading around ends up with Jennifer Lopez. I can't go that far. <laughs> so it's not, <laughs> it's a fair point. No, you, it's not, it's not that you can uh, type in, go left, go right, pick up the sword, don't pick up the sword, fight the monster. You just have to click. Oh. So, so all of the, okay. uh, all of the scenarios are already played out. Um, but it, I think the the whole story is about illusion of choice, and that's literally what you've been given, the illusion of choice. Okay. Right, and I think that's – somebody was saying – talking about this the other day, and they were saying that pretty much all the options end up in the same – kind of in the same place. So uh, Uh, Interestingly, not not, not really. Okay. (laughs) There's actually – yeah, so some of them, yes, I think half do, and then the other half take you completely down into a rabbit hole. Okay. Well, well, you'll – this is not new. This has been around for a while, but um, I think Netflix is probably the first one to be able to make it as seamless as it as it is right now. So yeah, absolutely. I've seen this. Ha- I've seen the same strategy using this kind of choose your own. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's a choose your own adventure because usually in a, in a choose your own adventure game, you can actually type out what you want to happen. This is more of just clicking, so it's the illusion of choice. This has been done a lot on YouTube and different YouTube channels. This is the first time though I've seen it happen on like like a mainstream. Uh, entertainment platform. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what the reception is. I think it was just released, but I'm interested to see wh- where it goes from here if they're going to keep doing more kinds of episodes like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, well, so maybe on the next podcast, we can see what the results have been because uh, it is it is kind of just hitting the hitting the mainstream right now. So we'll uh, we'll check it out. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I got to try it. I mean, obviously. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Black Mirror anyway, so I would run into it, um, at, at some point. Uh, yeah. But I'm a little far, I'm a little behind on most of the, most of the, I'm, the last one I saw was the USS Callister. Uh, that was a great one. The yeah, Star well, Trek style that's, on, that's also on my list for what, best of 2018. So we'll, mm-hmm. we can talk a little bit about that. So Bruce, you're back, you're back in, uh, in the neighborhood kind of. I I am back in the neighborhood, not quite like Mr. Rogers, but I am back in the neighborhood. Right. Um, you would be and the, you would be the perverse Mr. Rogers, if anything. So. I would be I would be the late night Mr. Rogers. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be late Mr. Rogers on the late night. You'd be yeah. Mr. Rogers at dark, right? Mr. Rogers, <laughs> Mr. Rogers after hours, exactly. After hours. after after he takes off the sweater and and there's no more puppets that are around. Yeah, right. he, he he pours a high ball, kicks off his shoes, and. <laughs> <laughs> His wife comes in. He yells at his wife to leave him alone. He yeah, needs right. to be alone with his thoughts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm watching my shows. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now you know why none of us have a girlfriend because uh, – <laughs> well, well, quite recently, neither do I. So we're all in the same Oh, place. really? Yeah, it all, it's, it's, all, it's all for the best. <laughs> okay. Well, I was guessing, <laughs> but we don't have to get personal. So No, it's uh, all good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're happy <laughs> – the Whoever, listeners don't want to hear about my love life. <laughs> no, not at all, actually. So, 
That's fair. Here's the problem. You, have, you bring pictures, and so we, I don't. I'm, I'm, a visual learner. I'm a visual learner. What can I say? Yeah. You, <laughs> visual learner. All right. You're fading away, so you need to, you need to eat the mic a little bit. So I'm, I'm eating it. I'm eating it. All right. <laughs> Uh, so let me remind everybody, uh, we are Plot Points Podcast. Uh, we are affiliated tangentially to OC Screenwriters, although uh, not directly. But we do, since I started OC Screenwriters with uh, Lawrence Porcelli, and, and uh, this is my podcast, we are connected that way. Um, you can reach, you can find us, first of all, almost, almost uh, yeah, anywhere. We are just, we're international. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but you can go to plotpoints.com. That's the website. There's a phone number there that you can use to uh, contact us. Uh, 919 scripts. That's uh, S C R I P T S. One of these days I have to learn what those digits are. So I don't, it doesn't sound, you know, I'm saying 919 scripts and then I'm spelling S C R. I like nobody knows how to spell scripts. Right. Um, <laughs> and then also iTunes and uh, our host, our web host is Libsyn. And so you can find us on Libsyn, but if you just type in, uh, plot points podcast into, into, into Dr. Professor Google. They will, they will lead you down to the right, uh, the right place. Um, okay. So is anybody beside me working on anything? I finished my, well, almost finished my latest novella. Now comes the rewriting and editing. Uh, how, how, how many pages is a novella? Uh, it's smaller than a novel, longer than a long story. They debate on how many words it is. Mine currently is like at 23,000 words. And how many pages is that? Uh, roughly 95 at this yeah. point. Okay. So, so, cause I've done this before, a hundred pages of script and a hundred pages of, uh, novel are about uh, script is about half the words of a novel so uh yeah yeah so so 95 pages and this is this is in your universe right this is the universe that you right. created yes and uh where yep. uh, you're on uh earlier version or earlier stories in this universe are available on Amazon well so far at this point uh the universe I've created you Check out my novel, Paladin's Journey. Okay. And the sequel to Paladin's Journey will be out sometime in 2019. Okay. And the stories in this first set take place 100 years before Paladin's Journey does in the oh. same medieval nice. world. And uh, now, which is going to be released in 2019, it's three novellas. And... Uh, I finished a fourth one, and I'm almost finished with a fifth one, and I've got an idea for a sixth one, and wow. then when I'm all done, I'll pitch it to the same publisher to see if they want a sequel. Oh, wow! That sounds that sounds busy. Every time I talk to you, you get you get more and more prolific. I know you. I know you are prolific as far as novels, well, even scripts. I mean, but wow. Well, it's. Uh, when I wrote the sequel to Paladin's Journey, it took me almost a year to get it done. Mm. And these are, I wanted to do something, I wanted to do something shorter that wouldn't take me a year because I'm, my Paladin's trilogy, I got the 
basics for it, but I haven't started it yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, once I get into it, it'll be a year before I'm done with it. But the other ones, you know, they're taking four to six weeks to write. Mm-hmm. It's only 100 pages. It's not 500 to 600. Right, right. Yeah, that's so, got to be that's got to be qu- cool to be able to work in a world that you created on in short subjects and in lo- in long form. If you if you know yes. if the uh, inspiration hits you, so yeah, yeah I have a uh, I have a world that I created when I first started writing, and I've been dying to get back to it ever since then. It's it's you know that's twenty two years, and uh, yeah. but I have the same you know feeling. It's like it's like and I and I I mean just a quick screenwriting lesson here, kids. Um, the the world is the is the most one of the most compelling characters you can have. And whether that world is 30 Rock or Paladin's Journey the world or Lord of the Rings, it's very important that that world be uh, a character because it, it's what draws us into, like, I, I love yes. the Arkady Renko uh, novels, which are set in Russia. It, they're uh-huh. written by Martin Cruz Smith. Gorky Park was done into a movie, but... He's been writing that character in that world for quite a while. And of course, that world changed with Glasnost and, um, when it, when the Soviet Union fell. And then, but I mean, the world, spending time in that world is just really, that's what, that's what draws me into it. So like anything else, you know, <laughs> Star Wars, Star Trek, any of the yeah. movies or TV series, that's what you come to it for. Um, yes. So, yeah. Um, for myself, Bruce, are you working on anything besides your, your next nap? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, touche. Uh, currently, uh, I actually just started a painting. Uh, oh. and, and, uh, I only sip, I only, uh, drink wine, uh, when I paint. So <laughs> it is slowly turning me into an alcoholic, but I'll let you know when it's done and then we can promote it on the podcast for whoever wants to buy my painting. Oh, that's interesting. What type, is it watercolor, oil, uh, uh, currently, it is oil and it is abstract, and uh, you really have to be drunk to understand what it means. Okay. All right. Well, well, I'll count on uh, I'll count on carousing one night with you in in front of your painting and trying to figure out what the f you were trying to say with. So. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Okay. Yeah, I just picked up a, a script doctoring project. Um, I really can't talk about it, unfortunately, at this point. But it won't. It won't. It won't get started until uh, probably mid-January, but right now I'm doing a ton of research because it is a world, uh, as we've spoken, that that I don't know anything about. And um, but Bruce, I'm sure you would love uh, this world. I'm I'm sure Chris would too. But I'm, I think about you whenever I think about this particular world. But um, I'm glad I'm in your thoughts. Well, I mean that's that kind of narrows it down to basically you know any anywhere where people are getting. Uh, Never mind. Um, <laughs> fill in the blank, kids. Yeah, fill in the blank. Use your imagination. That's what you're. That's what you're supposed to do. You're writers. Um, but anyway, it's going to be a great project. It's a. Um, it's a. It's. It, this guy's been trying to get it mounted for seven years, and um, he's had various writers uh, take a pass at it. So, there. I'm going to get my chance, and it's a. It'll be a series. Um, I'm only, I've only been hired to write the, to rewrite the pilot. So, uh, we'll see how far that goes, but it, it's very exciting. I think I, I can't wait to get started on it. And this guy has sent me <clears throat> a ton of material to read, uh, to do research. So that's, that's what I, I really enjoy that process too, filling my subconscious mm-hmm. mind with all those, 
all those things. But um, what's so, the genre? What's the genre of the project? Uh, it's a drama, um, but it's like a um, it's it's a it's kind of like a it's kind of like uh, if I had to describe it, it would be like Ray Donovan. Okay. Cool. Uh, so drama, but with a bunch of really crazy shit mixed in to it. So uh, gotcha. yeah, it should mm-hmm. be fun. Um, anyway, and that's, let's see. And then I was going to try to write, um, a, um, a small budget something in while I'm on my, cause uh, I'm on my break. I'm going to break from school, but I don't think I'm going to get that done because there's just too much other stuff going on. So <clears throat> anyway, so, um, let's segue over to our topic for today. And of course, uh, it didn't take much imagination to figure this one out. It's the end of the year, the end of 2018, and um, we decided to uh, do our top five uh, either television or movies of 2018, except it doesn't have to have been done in 2018. In other words, if you just started to watch a series because Netflix put it up, even if it was done in 2013, it's okay to to go at, go at that and say that was one of my favorite things. So it's both, it's basically a favorite things of 2018. So, um, let's get started with Bruce. What did, what did you have with, uh, what did you have the top? And then <clears throat> if you had a book or a graphic novel or a comic book or a different medium, that's your, that's like your plus one. So, but let's start with the top five of what you thought was your, the best thing you've seen in 2018. Okay, for my list, I have five top movies and five top TV. Do you want me to mix them, or can I go five and five? Uh, go ahead, go go five and five. Five. Okay, cool. Um, so for movies, um, I, the, for my top, my number five is Leave No Trace. Um, it's this film uh, with Ben Foster. It's a small indie film and this new uh, female actress. Basically, the film revolves around uh, a father and a daughter um, who live in a uh, national park. And the father is a war veteran. He has PTSD and he doesn't like living around other people and, and, and with society. He constantly lives uh, camp by camp in this park. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, the, the story moves with – it basically talks about how these – their relationship is so strong, even with all these forces around, these outside forces around them trying to pull them apart. Um, and it really just explores the relationship between a father and a daughter and someone who's really sick and how, uh, basically this one girl is, his, his daughter is kind of his saving grace and it sort of goes along those lines. It's a very interesting film and it's very beautifully, beautifully shot. Um, so my fourth movie is, uh, Hereditary, uh, horror movie by A24. Uh, really interesting film, uh, because of, uh, the way it's shot and the things that they show, uh, mm-hmm. something I've never, I haven't seen before. Number three is Annihilation. Um, and I think this was one of my favorite movies of the year because it kind of goes back to the point you guys made about how you don't actually see the monster. It really just builds tension. So I thought that was a, a film that really uh, showcases that. Okay. My second one is A Star is Born. I think it was the oh. only movie this year to make me cry. Oh. Uh, I, th- I thought it was really beautifully done and, and the soundtrack is, is fantastic and right. uh, the chemistry between the two actors is phenomenal. Uh, and my number one film is Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, hand down, hands down, I think probably uh, one of the top best action movies I've ever seen. And whoever hasn't seen it should go out and see it because uh, it's awe-inspiring. Now for TV, uh, well, wait, number... let me get let me get Chris's list, and then we'll come back to your TV. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, Chris. Okay, um, I only got one movie on my list. Yes rest turned out to be either series or uh, 
miniseries mm-hmm. from uh, cable. But I, I know this movie didn't come. This movie came out in 2017, but I didn't see Wonder Woman until 2018. Mm, great movie. And I thought I was burned out on uh, superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, this changed my mind. I loved that movie. I did too. Then yeah. this this season of Madam Secretary oh, uh-huh. is just oh gets gets my blood going at times. <laughs> Okay. And and I got I actually have a comedy on here from network television, which I usually don't do. But I used to be a big fan of Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. But this is the the prequel, Young Sheldon. Okay, and it is just funny. And I mean, I find myself during these half hours actually laughing out loud at least <laughs> once during every episode. Yeah, but you're a little bit of a madman in your living room, so that's uh, yeah. who, knows, who knows why you're laughing out loud. So. Yep. And then my top two are both miniseries. Mm-hmm. One based on a novel that I loved. I think what was it? TNT did The Alienist. Okay. About a turn of the last century, one of the first uh, CIS type groups coming together to investigate a serial killer. Right. And it 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 may be a little bit on the dark side from well, the, the standpoint of the world setting. Yeah. But I was just fascinated by it from beginning to end, and I knew the novel. Yeah, the novel is fantastic, and I've seen the series, yeah. and it's equally it's equally dark and edgy, and yeah, yeah. So, but okay. uh, I think in my number one spot was the British TV uh, British series Bodyguard with Richard Madden. Oh yeah, well we've mm-hmm. talked about oh, that. That's a great series. Yeah, yeah, that was just terrific mm-hmm. and you binge watch on it because you want to know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And they've got a couple of good twists and turns that you don't see coming. It's a really interesting premise uh, yeah. because it's a guy who is watching a the prime one of the home secretaries from Britain. He's bodyguard yeah. for the and he's got PTSD, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's responsible for a lot of the policies that are making the veterans kind of crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a that's a good series. I I've only seen the first two episodes, but I'm I'm wholly hooked into it. So yeah, yeah. Really interesting concept. Um, okay, so Bruce, go back to your. T- that's a great list, Chris. I I'm, I I have never seen an episode of uh, Young Sheldon, but the rest uh-huh. of them are just uh, fantastic. I I I wholly agree. I think Wonder Woman saved um, a lot of uh, fans of comic books because I was at the same place where I was very burned out. But uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Bruce, let's hear your TV list. Cool. Um, yeah. So my number five, I listed as Barry. Um, I thought it was. It's been one of my favorite shows for a long time, ever since it came out. Um, and I just really love how uh, I never thought Bill Hader could actually come off as menacing, but he finds <laughs> a way to uh, really use uh, dry humor and then bring out a menacing side that actually comes off as kind of scary. So right, right. Uh, I, I think he was well-deserved to win the Emmy. Uh, my number four is The Haunting of Hill House. Definitely one of my favorite shows of the year and of the past few years. I think the way the story is told and the way it unfolds uh, is, is unlike anything I've ever seen. Interesting. Um, it's, it's 
I love how they go from between uh, childhood and then adulthood and how see how things affect each other. And sometimes they go the other way too. Sometimes things that affected the characters in adulthood affect them in childhood because time is sort of a uh, that doesn't work the same way in the show. So I thought that was really interesting yeah, how that unfolds. Yeah, yeah. Um, my number three, I also listed as Bodyguard. Uh, I, I binged it about a month ago, and it was definitely one of my favorite shows. Uh, it, I think, from the get-go, it just creates tension, and as soon as you, as as soon as that tension gets a hold of you, you're hooked, and you can't stop watching. Mm-hmm. Really, very true. Um, my second favorite show was Atlanta. Uh, oh yeah, I that's think, really good. Yeah, yeah. From even from season one, continuing to season two, they they continue uh, making just uh, hits every episode. It's mm-hmm. just super fascinating, and they even created a cultural phenomenon with the, this one character that uh donald glover donald glover dresses up um in in white face <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah and he actually went to an award show i forgot which one but it was in white face as the character and nobody knew it was him he right. was that he wow. was that hard to tell i know he kind of it's kind of a cross between uh he kind of looks like a cross-dressing michael jackson <laughs> um and no one knew who it was and it was really funny uh and then i would say my number one is uh big mouth uh, on Netflix, uh, okay. for obvious reasons, uh, <laughs> uh, really is just one of the funniest, uh, most creative sh- uh, cartoons I've ever seen. It's mm. it's so funny. It's very relatable. Essentially, the premise is uh, a group of middle school stu- uh, kids, uh, uh, voiced by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney and the cast of others, uh, basically going through puberty. And one of the funniest characters is a character called the Hormone Monster, who actually is uh, also voiced by Nick Kroll and basically just gets them all into all sorts of hijinks and trouble. It's, it's actually it's really, really fascinating the way they go about telling the story. Yeah, Nick Kroll, very talented. And, and you know, if you like his work, you like his work. You know, I could see where he would irritate a lot of people. But the Nick Kroll, <laughs> the Nick Kroll show was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed that. Uh, kind of hit and miss, but when it hit, it really did hit. So mm-hmm. that's an interesting list. I have kind of a mixed bag. Um, for me, Black Panther was the movie that I really enjoyed um, for 2018. And um, I, I had seen Wonder Woman already. So Black Panther for me, I, I just, I saw that twice and I really enjoyed it both times. Um, the Man Who Invented Christmas was a movie we talked about last podcast, but I think it's a really fantastic way to tell a story. It's just so compelling because of the, the three different storylines that are in there. Um, also, uh, the post about the Ellsberg papers, the Pentagon papers, uh, I thought for me, I wish it had, it got an Academy Award nod, but it didn't win. And I thought when I saw it, I thought, man, this is, this is old school filmmaking. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then, um, Black, Black Mirror's USS Callister, that episode just blew me away. It was really well done. And I'm, I'm, uh, you know, such a fan of Star Trek. It was great to see somebody using it uh, in a really twisted and bizarre fashion. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have a book series that I wanted to mention as my kind of plus one. Um, and it's, uh, uh, oh, before I do that, there was one other thing. This is kind of a weird favorite, but there's um, the, the movie uh, uh, The Greatest Showman had a song called A Million Dreams in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a, an extended trailer. I'll put a link in the uh, show notes for for Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams 
I mean, they start them out as kids and then they, they, they fast forward into adults. It is one of the best. It's like a mini movie. It's like an extended musical video. I don't even know how to describe what it is. It's so well done. I can't imagine that uh, it's just wonderful. So, um, if you run across it, it's, it's, I, I, I don't, I just, I, I kind of came on it by accident, but I'll put an, I'll put a link in the show notes so you guys can watch it. It's really great. Um, but my book, a book series that I really enjoying right now is by a writer named Barry Hutchison, who wrote, who writes a series called Space Team. And it's kind of like, uh, Galaxy Quest meets, um, Star Trek, I guess. I, I don't know how to describe it, but he is so funny. It's so compelling. He's got like seven of them out there. And then he started a new series, uh, called Dead Man Dan or Dan Deadman. I can't remember which way it goes, but what a, what a great, uh, book, um, a series of books. And I'm kind of like, I inhaled the first three of them and decided to slow down because I, because he can't write faster than I read. So, um, that was, I wanted to, but really terrific. So, all right. Um, you know, good stuff. There's, I, what I love about these lists is there's, there's some overlap, but there's also, uh, just a lot of really reflecting, like Bruce, uh, I, I would have never tapped you for a star is born. Um, I I didn't think so either, but it was it was a really well done movie. I was I didn't expect to like it at all. My expectations were quite low, but it mm. really blew my expectations. And I think a lot of critics' expectations out of the water. Yeah, mm, it just worked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. We I want to mention this question before I forget again because uh, a, a a fan uh, whose name who's Kathy Gilmore. Uh, sent in a question and, and, um, I want to, I want to acknowledge it, um, and also talk about it a little bit. So this is her, this is her comment. Hi guys. Excellent podcast. I'm not sure if it's been covered, but could you do a show about screenwriting conferences, workshops, and retreats? If you have personal experience with any of them, your insight would be great. If not, then knowing which ones seem legit or what their focus is and the difference between them. Thank you. So that's a great question, Kathy, and thank you for being uh, one of our one of our listeners. Um, you know, we try to we try to make it m- mostly about screenwriting. Of course, we do we do stray every every once in a while, but um, so I I don't uh, so I haven't I don't have much experience with with writing retreats or with um, you know conferences. Mostly the ones that I've attended, I've also taught at uh, or spoke to. So do you guys have anything to say about that before I get started? Well, I can say it's been quite a while, but uh, I attended more than one of the retreats Raymond Opsfeld put on. Right, in Palm in Springs. Palm Springs. And I always came out of those retreats pumped up about writing mm-hmm. and learning things to look at things at a different way than I had been and I think all of them were very and being around a group of people that all have the same passion you do mm-hmm. oh you just it's great yeah I would recommend it. at least the one Raymond put on I would definitely recommend well the yeah he his Palm Spring ones he used I don't know if he still does them but he used to do them every summer and uh-huh. um, there's a ton of them out there Save the Cat has one. Um, most of the club, most of the colleges have one of the teachers puts one on. Uh, 
the thing is, is it's like anything else. I'm not a huge fan of what I call guru books when that teach you writing, because I, I feel like that's, there's a validity to that and it's an obvious one, but it's like anything else. Everybody has a different opinion about how they work and I'm not sure it's all translatable. Having said that, I think what Chris has said, uh, is probably most salient here is you, whatever gets you pumped up to write, whatever gives you inspiration or whatever allows you to, um, to, to, to spark that creativity or that process is a good thing. My first choice would always be to get into a workshop as opposed into, opposed to a, uh, a weekend, um, situation or, a, an intensive workshop because most of the time like this, I think the save the cat one says something to the effect of you go in there on a Saturday and you come out Sunday with blank. Well, yeah. And I'm not disparaging it. I'm just wondering how valuable is that? If you can't, if you can't get into the flow of, you know, your, your beat sheet or your concept or whatever, without that, I think you, you may, may want to pick a different, um, occupation or hobby because I feel like for me, it's always been, I've always been pretty self-motivating and there were times where I was more motivated than others, but I don't believe that a, a retreat is necessarily, unless you're trying to solve a specific problem, like I can't figure out why my characters don't work, um, something like that. Um, so I teach classes. There's a bunch of colleges that have classes those I I treat I treat my class more of a, more like a workshop than a class. I mean, I do some lecturing and I'm always there to answer questions, but it, it's a workshop, and so it's a peer review. Um, you know, sometimes up to twenty students are commenting on your work, and it's a, it's my classes are ten to twelve weeks, and so I think over that period of time, you get a real sense of where your work is is good and where it's kind of failing people. So I wouldn't ever say don't. I've taught at a couple of these uh, weekend seminars, and I've done workshops at um, CS Expo, and um, they're great. They're really very energe- energizing. Uh, nothing, no book, no no technique, no uh, no guru, no anything, no conference, no anything is going to teach you how to be a better writer. Uh, so if you're if that's what you're looking for, then perhaps you need to re-examine your process. But if you're just looking for something to augment your process, of course, any of those conferences would be great. Um, yeah. My advice would be look, look at most of these places that have these conferences. You can find stuff on Facebook. Today, you guys got it so easy. All you have to do is open <laughs> up Google and type in blank conference and you'll get, you know, whatever opinions you need about it. Uh, so, um, I don't know. I, um, I'm, I'm not of the opinion that they're that helpful, but I'm also of the opinion that anything that helps is helpful. So, so, uh, well, we're, we're coming up on probably an hour here. Is there anything you guys want to say? I mean, it's, I'd like to wish everybody a happy new year. I'm really appreciative of both, uh, Chris and, and Bruce. Uh, you guys want to say anything? Uh, to the, just want to thank all the listeners for, uh, not telling Mark to never have me on again. So I really, <laughs> I really appreciate that. And, um, I just really want to, uh, thank Mark for, um, all that he's taught me over the years. And, uh, I'm excited for, uh, what 2019 holds. 
Good. Yeah. Are you, um, uh, so since you've moved, I mean, are you going to be doing some writing now that you, uh, that you have, that you don't have a girlfriend anymore? Oh yeah, absolutely. Time? I have a lot of, I have a lot of things to write about. Okay. <laughs> now I do. Yeah. Chris, are you, uh, what's, what's going on with you in 2019? What are you looking, what are you looking ahead at? Well, I'm looking at, uh, two of my novels coming out mm-hmm. and, uh, hopefully getting some more under my belt. And, uh, hoping that certain things are different in 2019 than they were in 2018. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I, I know I we won't go political, but <laughs> <laughs> I can hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought you were talking about, uh, never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> we should, we should do a book club episode for, uh, for your new book when it comes out. A book okay. episode. What is what? Now this is a screenwriting podcast. His books, I yeah. barely tolerate his book writing. <laughs> <laughs> and no, the truth course, comes out. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, uh, I one of the great things about Chris is um, he, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a screenwriter or you're a novel writer or or any. He's a storyteller, and um, his stuff is so compelling and so much fun. I, one of my favorite things of him is this great short story he wrote that I can't I can't get it out of my head um and I I don't know how many years ago I I read it but it just blew me away and so um the the storytelling part of uh Chris uh that whatever and and that's a skill you know how long you been writing Chris like 20 oh, 20 some years uh, at least where I've been trying to sell stuff but actually writing it since elementary school oh, okay yes <laughs> See, I'm late. I'm one of those. I'm no, one of those geeks. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, it shows in your work. It's very. It's it's really compelling stuff. So. Well, I would like to add mm-hmm. to all the producers listening that all of my novels are available for adaption to the screen. There you go. Do you own the subrights for your uh, for your books? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Usually the publishers on, on a couple of them, the publishers would get involved too. Yeah. But. Uh, they're all available. Well, um, you know, maybe you should adapt one into a script. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, except that, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> quit telling the, quit telling producers they're available and say, I have a script. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I know you're busy, you but, uh, yeah. So, so this is our second year, um, of podcasting and not quite, it's a year and a half. It's, I think this is our 46th episode or 45th or whatever. Um, but it's been, it's been really a joy and uh, we've gone through a lot of changes with co-hosts and, and, um, so I'm happy to, uh, to, to wrap up 2018 as strongly as we have. Um, I was hoping Jeff would be able to join us, Jeff Michaels, uh, to talk a little bit about creativity, but we'll have him on a future podcast. But for 2019, you know, I have some plans to, to, to get some students in here and also talk about their process uh, of going from, you know, I don't know what a script is to finishing their first script just to see because, you know, we tend to forget um, everybody starts at a certain place. But that's also, you know, a good thing to remember is everybody starts at the same place. I don't know how to do this. So just keep at it because, uh, some of my students have really, have really accomplished quite a bit this last year. So we'll have them in on 2019 to talk about that. Um, 
again, a shout out to all my co-hosts over the, the last, uh, the last year and, um, to the people who helped me to get this started, Toby Walwork and Mary Claire Anderson Van Kempen. Um, um, I'd like to just express my appreciation for my, for the listeners, for anybody who, who's a regular listener to this podcast. Please do what Kathy Gilmore did. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, write in or call in and leave a question for us or suggest, uh, you know, a direction for the podcast. We're very open to that. Um, we are Plot Points Podcast. You can find us at plotpoints.com. You can find us on iTunes under, I think, Plot Points Podcast. Just type in my name, Mark Sevi, S-E-V-I, and then, um, or use Professor Google and he will help you. He will guide you in your journey, in your quest to find us. Um, Chris, uh, happy new year to you. Happy new year to you too. And uh, Mr. Kazra, Bruce Kazra, wonderful to have you back with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you. Same to you. For everybody here at Pod, Pod Points Podcast, um, I, I again wish you all the best of 2019. I hope you have a great and, and just uh, productive year. And we, sh- we all need to sell something in 2019, period. That's it. No, no more excuses. Let's just, let's just take okay. over Hollywood. Um, but for Plot Points Podcast and my co-hosts, I want to thank you all. And for OC Screenwriters and OC Film and Television, uh, you, remember to be inspired and do good work. Thank you. Happy New Year.